Radio Influence. The future is now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with... Mike Opelka, a very confused young man, and... Beans! Why are you confused? (laughs) I don't know. I'm not young either, so I'm not really either of those things. I lied right out of the blocks. I'm like Joe Biden. I keep repeating lies. I just sent you a photo. In our our Locals pre-show, we were talking about what happened to me yesterday, which I'm not going to share again. If you're in the Locals community, you'll hear it. Um, but I just sent Mike pictures so you can take a look at what I'm dealing with. Just take a look. Oh, you did. How lovely. An email or a text, text message? messages? Oh, dear Lord. Oh, here it is. One came through. Yeah. I see it. I see it. The second side profile is even better. It's nice manicure. Thanks. Well, I'm not going to be able to do it anymore because. Well, not not at the moment. Look, but... look at that. Oh, dear Lord, an alien invasion. <laughs> Join the insider community so you can hear what or understand what the heck we're talking about. But I hope everybody otherwise had a happy Easter, happy Passover, Eastover, whatever you call it. I just ate an entire sleeve of peeps before we started the show today. Mm, that's the most healing thing you could do right now. <laughs> yes. Because peeps are, in fact... The greatest Easter candy. There will be no discussion on this. People, I'm so glad you're pro peep because there are anti peep people and they are so anti peep. Like, I don't. They're communists. They need to be investigated. I don't like Cadbury eggs, but you don't see me going around chastising the people who do. Okay. Yeah, that's right. I I'm so pro peep. We have the peeps cereal. No way. Oh, yeah. You know, like Lucky Charm says the. The magically delicious hearts and clovers and all that crap. Chucky Farms. This has little peeps in it. You know, it's really funny because um, Chucky Larms, that story that I told about how. Yeah. yeah. So somebody, a listener, sent in an article about two weeks ago about how the FDA is investigating Lucky Charms because they're causing all kinds of health issues for people. Allegedly. Allegedly. There were like 100 people that suffered, you know, health effects, ill health effects from Chucky Larms. I mean, Lucky Charms. And um, I thought it was funny that just after I had said all of that, it came out that Chucky Larms were causing problems for people. Well, I told you my nephew um, is uh, a Lucky Charms guy. He's he's um, he's a professional athlete, but his weakness is his kryptonite in the world of Dining is Lucky Charms. He has to have Lucky Charms somewhere that he can go to in times of trouble. You've never told me that before. I had not. No. Now he's um he's a big stinking number seventeen. I know that. And it's and all that stuff. But he loves Lucky Charms. You'd never told me that he was a Lucky Charms fan. And when he was in uh, France last year and England for the clay court and Wimbledon for the French Open in Wimbledon, I was trying to overnight him some Lucky Charms because they don't have them in the European supermarkets. That's criminal. Uh, It is criminal. Or maybe not. (laughs) More criminal was the the cost that people wanted to overnight Lucky Charms. How much was it? Like $300, $400? For one box is $150. Yeah, that's ridiculous. I said, no, that's not happening. I told him you're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to suck it up. But yes, the FDA currently investigating claims that Lucky Charms cereal is making people sick. That reported all over the news websites. 
Yeah, it was everywhere. So Chucky Larms for the win. Um, what happened over the weekend? <laughs> nothing. There's nothing going on but the rent. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff happening. Um, you know, we have that ongoing conflict between Russia and its next door neighbor, Ukraine, that uh, the Ukrainians uh, dared to sink a second uh, Russian battleship last week. And that ship that went to the bottom of the ocean, we're still trying to find out if the Moscow, which is not the ocean, the Black Sea, which is currently resting on the bottom of the Black Sea, if the 512 crew members not accounted for are still on the ship, because we were initially told, oh, no, no, we evacuated them all. Then we were told, um, we checked the parking lot at the port, and all of the cars from the sailors are still in the parking lot. Yeah, but aren't there photos out there right now of the general alive? They're showing photos which could have been taken before they set sail. You know, when when the uh, the crews will usually gather on the deck and wave goodbye to their loved ones, et cetera, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh, you see that all the time. So we don't know. But more concerning, and I, I know it sounds um, insensitive of me not to give a rat's butt about 512 Russian naval members, but more disturbing to me is the fact that there are reportedly and very solidly reports to say that there are two nuclear warheads inside that ship that were ready to be deployed should they be ordered to put them on the rockets. So two nuclear warheads, bottom of the Black Sea, what could possibly go wrong? Oh, I'm sure nothing. I mean, that's why it's so great when people attack ships and they don't know what's on them. Well, I can't fault the Ukrainians for attacking because they're having entire towns wiped out. They're having the devastation is everywhere. There are no rules in warfare, but just... We need to know that now there is a potential nuclear disaster sitting on the bottom of the Black Sea. What is the Black Sea? How, how much fishing is done there? That's a good question. We need to find that out. Remember how we were worried after Fukushima that we were going to have nuclear fish coming across the Pacific Ocean. So I wonder, I wonder how much it might be that the Black Sea is part of that uh, Russian caviar cartel uh, area where they... They wow. harvest the car, the um, cab, the delicious savruga and beluga caviar. Well, that, good news because I don't have the money for caviar, so we're in great shape. Well, you can get that a good old American caviar. Get some Tennessee trout or something. Get a, get a pregnant trout and slice it up and get that Tennessee caviar. You know, um, I've never ever had caviar ever. Never? No. It's actually. If you get the right one, uh, it's actually really good, really delicious, especially if you if you get into the ceremony of it. You know, you can't touch it with metal because it'll it'll make it the chemicals react. The salt reacts to the the metal. So you use a piece of bone, a bone spoon. Yeah, but what happens if you have metal toxicity in your body? I don't know. This is not something I have to deal with. I'm sorry if you do. But it's caviar is delicious in my world. And then you have to have a glass of champagne mm. with which to wash it down. Okay. Well, one day when I'm wildly successful, I'll have to try some. When my rowboat comes in. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I don't know. We need to find out what's what's in the Black Sea and other than the ship on the bottom of the Black Sea. But when you sink two Russian warships, you know, Putin's going to turn up the heat. And he did this weekend 
Uh, bombing went to the east, the west, back to Kiev. And uh, Lviv, the place that all the networks had holed up in Lviv on the western side of Ukraine, because it seemed like that was um, hands off. There wasn't any real warring going on. Well, overnight, there were a bunch of missiles launched that hit uh, Lviv. So a lot of those network people are like, yeah, we're going back home. We'll report. uh, uh, From a green screen? Yeah, a remote. Yeah. Yeah, so um, you're not seeing any of the. The big stations are, and I can't blame them. Who wants to be there when they're raining missiles down on you? Hmm. But oh, there was something big that happened that related to something you told us was probably going to happen uh, last week. It's the Sussman story that I guess I don't know. I'm sorry I wasn't here on Friday. I know Frank was out. Did you cover the latest Sussman filing? No, I didn't get into it, but we can because I read it this morning and I caught a little gem in there that I haven't seen reported as of yet. Um. Which gem? Do you want to give me a hint? See if I can guess which gem you saw, because I think I saw a gem, too. Oh, you saw a gem also? I may have. Okay. My gem was about, in some way, the statute of limitations. See, I didn't see the statute of limitations gem. I was looking at the the fact that the CIA in 2017 threw the Bravo Sierra flag on on all of the pretty much all of the Russia collusion stuff. Believe it or not, well, we knew that without this solidification. However, okay. however, you want to know what else I like came across that I did talk about on Friday? What is that? Uh this is going to blow your mind. Somebody okay. at the State Department received this steel dossier before everyone else. I'll give you a guess who it was. Is it one of the names we talked about last week? Yes. Is it Alexandra Chalupa? No, it is Victoria Newland. I was going to go there, but I wanted to say Chalupa so I could say I want a Chalupa. (laughs) Yeah, no. Tell us a little bit, because I know that you're going to probably talk about this today. Tell us a little bit about the CIA angle. So all of this information that Sussman brought forward to the FBI and the CIA was then investigated, right? They were saying, okay, uh, you're, you're offering this to us. And now the review of the information shows, and the, um, the re- there's no report yet, but John Durham filed a, a court filing that says that none of that information was gotten in a organic sense where you went into the site and captured it, it was created. This is not the product of going in and getting copies of an email here and an email there and saying this connects the Trump organization to the Russian Bank One. No, these are fabricated and probably even on a wilder level than the uh, Dan Rather making up the George Bush emails years ago. Uh, This is total Bravo Sierra. This is fiction. And ultimately, that means Sussman has lied to the FBI and to the CIA. But the fact that the CIA recognized that this was not legitimate in 2017 makes me wonder who in the CIA was sitting on this. Brennan. Oh, of course. Here's the problem that I see. Okay, and I'm going to keep saying this until I'm proven wrong. It, It from all all angles to me, it looks like Durham still, while he will take some people down and there seems to be more to come based on what we read in this filing, 
he's still they're still holding water for the institutions because the CIA was involved in all of this. So he's saying, oh, look, the CIA did their job and investigated this and said that it was BS. And then he's covering for the FBI saying, oh, well, Sussman told them that he was coming to them with this, you know, completely independently and not on behalf of any candidate or anything or anyone. And he's making that the excuse that these institutions can then use to be able to cover themselves for all this corruption that they've been involved in. Well, you can try and use that excuse. But in the case of the CIA saying the information is not legitimate, it's it's not organic, it's not true, it's not honest. You you can't support any support for that at all. All of that should have been thrown out. All of that should have been disqualified and said there is no Russia collusion, Trump and Russia. And look at all the time and money we wasted. Yeah. So instead, what did they do? They went forward and the CIA continued their work. And Brennan continued to write memos saying that Russians were involved, even though they knew the entire time that it was nonsense. And it's terrible. It's terrible. The whole thing is just so disgusting. It's it's. It's so like I was rereading the Mueller report. Oh, my gosh. Like even knowing what we know now. Yeah, it, 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 it's worse. It's worse. It's worse than it was back then when it came out. What a travesty. Well, and- here's the reality. The, the condition of an independent council is not independent if in any way, shape or form they protect anybody. Right. It all has to boil up to the surface. Yeah, regardless of who it hurts. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So my little gem came out today. Um, It's in a it's in a it's in a paragraph here, sort of hidden where he's Sussman is Sussman is saying he filed a motion saying we don't want the, the government to be able to use any of this, 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 this and this as evidence in this case. And Durham is responding, saying, are you guys out of your freaking minds? Here's why we should be able to use all of this as evidence. And there's a paragraph where they're talking about tech executive one from the company that supposedly found all this data. And they say, second, defense counsel's further entreaties that there is no meaningful likelihood that tech executive one will be prosecuted because more than five years have passed since the defendant's September 6, 2016 meeting are based on naked and uninformed speculation. Indeed, defense counsel is not and could not be aware of all of the evidence that the government has collected and continues to collect or the or of the possible violations of law it is investigating. So that five-year statute of limitations must relate to whatever crime is alleged. And I guess we could narrow down the crimes that are now excluded because five years. I don't I haven't done that. Have you? No, because they're they're all of this stuff. It, it's in it's continuing to be used over and over again for years after the initial crime happened. Therefore, basically whitewashing the statute of limitations, like every time they take any action that is in direct, you know, uh, line of sight to what the initial action was, it renews the statute of limitations. It basically pauses the clock. Right. Okay, that's good. Right. So So like if three, if, if a year ago, Tech Executive One emailed Sussman or talk to him and said, hey, remember that thing we did a couple years ago in order to help us, we did X, 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 and X, then it starts over again. So you're saying that while it, the Sussman people are kind of hinting 
that the the clock may have run out, the fact that there was probably communication somewhere, hopefully there was, would have paused it or restarted the clock. Yeah, that's what Durham is basically saying. They don't even know. They don't know what we're looking at, what other criminal activity has occurred or what we're doing at all. So for them to say the statute of limitations has run on on this is is absurd. Well, I hope so. I hope you are correct. Me too. Uh, because this does seem like, and we're getting closer to the May court date for Sussman, and at least one judge has tossed out his appeal to have it all thrown out, all the evidence thrown out. I'm sure there's another appeal in the works already. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm assuming they're not going to want to go to trial, and obviously he hasn't wanted to plea. Yeah, because he thinks uh, they've told him not to plea, and he'll. I'm sure he would hold off on a plea until the last possible opportunity. Want to know what's crazy? <laughs> well, I, I see it in the mirror every day, but yes, <laughs> go ahead. Tell me. Technofog, who has been, you know, he's a he's an attorney and we've been researching this in the same group for years and years now. Um, he goes into a detailed analysis of all of this uh, for everybody, which is bar none. Some of the best analysis there is available out there. At the very end, he says this which made me really perk up. Finally, I leave you with some questions to consider. Start asking why Sussman and Jaffe were so desperate to provide the FBI and CIA with dirt purportedly linking Trump and Russia. Sussman himself provided false statements to federal officials, and it's becoming more and more likely that someone potentially fabricated this evidence. Sussman and Jaffe risked charges and thus jeopardized their lucrative careers to tie Trump to Russia. Considering the personal cost to both men, are we to believe this was only about politics? And he ends with this sentence, or maybe this all leads back to the DNC hack. Oh, yeah, that's a that's a very good choice. That's very interesting. I haven't been following Technofog prior to this, but I will be now. Yeah, go to his uh, Substack. I'll link it in the show notes for folks if they don't have it. It's technofog.substack.com. Okay, I also need to clone myself because I don't know where you have time to cover all of this, but I need a clone who just does nothing but follow up on all the stuff you send me. I'm very, t- I know I sent you the 46 page, uh, very high level um, immunological paper from Geert Vandenbosch. Yes. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, and then I send you stuff sometimes that's a little bit overwhelming because you're so smart and I just figure breeze right through <laughs> Well, I also have an addiction to trivial things, so um, it it kind of eats at my time away from reality. But um, that's okay. Keep it up because I need it. Also, Um, by the way, somebody, Susan, stepped forward, dear friend, to do an infographic on the Ukraine stuff. Shut up. Like we talked about last week and my mom would be wagging a finger at me. Stop saying shut up. (laughs) It's It's meant in a good way, mom. Uh, but yeah, someone's working on the infograph after what we talked about last week with uh, everything with Victoria Newland and Lev Parnas and Alexandra Chalupa. Yep. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, I have to get her all the info, though. So I put I put what I had already. And then as I was going through it, I was like, well, what about over here? Oh, I should never have done that. Look at all this. Like <laughs> it's it's so I'm still working on it. I'm probably going to be working on it for the better part of this week. My part of it, and yeah, that's um, that's that's amazing. If that gets done, thank you. I I have good news I can share with you. Oh yeah, what? 
Uh, it's not that I saved a lot of my uh, car insurance. Um, no, I, I've been following stories about free speech forever because I believe that after the first, everything else is secondary. That was my dad's mantra. And so after one, which actually is my license plate, and a couple of my brothers have it too as an homage to our father, after one and after the first, it all falls apart if we don't protect it. So this case out of um, Shawnee State University about the professor, who uh, philosophy professor of all things, who refused to call a student by their preferred pronouns uh, because the student is biologically male but demands to be identified as a female. Okay. Did you did you follow this case? Not at all. Okay. Uh, Shawnee State's not exactly a giant university, Portsmouth, Ohio. And the philosophy professor goes, no, I'm not, I'm not calling you that. I'll call you by your first name or your last name. And the student said, that's not good enough. You have to call me by my preferred pronoun. So wanted to be called a she, even though this person has biological male parts and filed an entire grievance with the school. And the school ended up going after the professor. Okay. Big time. Well, um, professor said, I'm not backing down on this. And last week it was decided that the, the First Amendment rights of the professor are actually um, being violated by what the school is doing. And they have agreed to pay $400,000 in damages and the uh, professor's attorney fees. Good. So this is really good news. This is fantastic news, and it's the uh, sixth court appeals court of appeals ruling that came down on this, rescinding the written warning that it had issued to Meriwether. So you know, I think this is great. It is great, and you know what I'm seeing more and more of, Mike. Like more and more, I'm seeing these these kind of ridiculous nonsense demands from tyrants being shot down in in, in court which is such a breath of fresh air because we shouldn't be excited when the court holds up the constitution, but we have to be now because it happens so little. Yeah. It's, it's a big stinking deal. And, and then it will become commonplace, but you know how we cheered Donald Trump getting all these judges appointed and three Supreme court justices appointed. Well, Biden went in and cleared a whole bunch of judgeships and appointed uh, many, many judges during his his first year. And so it's not a done deal that judicial constitutional decisions will be uh, the rule of the day uh, just because the left has put a bunch of judges in place. And Katenji Brown Jackson means there's going to be another liberal on the, on the DC circuit. So it's not a done deal. So when anything happens, we have to cheer it. Um, this Shawnee state thing is only one side of this though. Uh, there's another bit of good news also in Ohio. Oberlin College has been told they have to pay $31 million to a bakery that they smeared. Yes, and they're refusing to pay still. Yes, and they're appeal. Well, they're still appealing, but their last appeal, most recent appeal, was also rejected. So they're still on the hook. So let's tell the backstory. Do you know the backstory? Uh, I believe I do. I'll, I'll abbreviate a version. Uh, students were in some students from Oberlin College were in this bakery. And uh, one of them was accused of stealing a bottle of wine from the bakery. 
And when the bakery called him out, the student said, you're racist for following us around. And uh, I believe the student actually had pilfered the wine. I'm not sure if that's yes. correct. Yes. And they went back to the campus and said, this bakery's racist. They profiled us. No matter we committed the crime, but they're profiling us. So the school, the college officially called the bakery racist. And went public with it. And they had demonstrations outside of yeah. it and all kinds of crazy. And it hurt the business so much. And I'm so happy that this this bakery stood up and said, no, we're not letting this happen. And they won the case. Originally, the first ruling, I think, was 31 million or somewhere around 25 million. It's been appealed now at least once. I believe they're in a second appeal. First appeal was absolutely thrown out and the uh, school has said they're not going to pay the judgment and they, they've refused to pay so far because they think that they're above you know most well, they're above they're above everything i i i love this because yeah. it's it's just like like i don't know if it was in your awesome newsletter because i read so much this morning but did you put in the blackface um the supposedly blackface dj no i need to see that oh. you need to see that story okay so there was a DJ that was playing at a high school or a school district fundraiser um, over the weekend. It was a, an African-American DJ. And two of the people that were there, one African-American man and another, um, both like in the equity department of the school, which it, this fundraiser raised $300,000 for programs outside of what the tax dollars will pay for, Right. So mm -hmm. they accuse this DJ of being in blackface and they start assaulting the school district with all kinds of, you know, how could you do this? It's racist, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? He wasn't in blackface. He was black. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What idiots. <laughs> yeah, I mean, terrible. I want to read. Um, I want to read the I didn't necessarily have this up for today because it's not like a, a, a real critical story unless we start talking about stuff like this but it just reminds me like one of them doesn't apologize he just he he doesn't apologize at all actually he <clears throat> he says no matter what it doesn't change the fact that people in blackface are just horrible and they shouldn't be but it had nothing like just take the l dude you're an idiot you know yeah i'm fine i'm take trying the to l and say i'd like to work to make sure nobody's ever in blackface i'm sorry we made a mistake yeah it's yeah. just so easy. Get it done, people. Do the right thing quickly. Yeah, no, they, this was this was something else. And um, and then there, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. I mean, oh, goodness me, oh, my on this on this woke stuff. Um, did you see like the 43 textbooks or whatever that were banned from Florida schools because they're credit they're cloaking CRT and, and court common core in math? Governor DeSantis rejected 41% of the textbooks submitted to the Florida Education Department. I was close. Um, some of it, you were close. Close enough in, in, in Common Core math, you were. <laughs> you got an A. Uh, but clo <laughs> close enough. Um, it wasn't all CRT. There were different embedded indoctrination things happening here. There were different things, like the story of the ridiculous question about uh, the uh, late poet Maya Angelou. Yep. And how they twist the indoctrination into a lesson that should have nothing to do with Maya Angelou and everything to do with math. And never mind the math, we're going to indoctrinate your children. 
So and- the Maya Angelou example actually came from Missouri. Hmm. So that was a Missouri example of this going on. It was basically the, the main paragraph, Mike. It says Maya Angelou. Um, hold on. It says Maya Angelou is a well-known American author and poet. She was the first one of the first African-American women to write publicly about the trials in her personal life and her artistic success led to opportunities to work with Martin Luther King Jr. and other civil rights activists. Her first autobiography, I Know Why, they Cage, Why the Caged Bird Sings, brought her national recognition and acclaim. And then the questions, the question is, is this. It's like the equation Y equals 5X plus 4, Y equals X. Angelou was born in blank Missouri, and whatever the right answer is has the right birth city. And then it's like Angelou studied blank and blank at the California Labor School. Like, they're too, like I don't know if I take such offense to Maya Angelou because she was a revolutionary author. And brilliant. But th- this is math, and they're trying to teach. There's other more horrible examples of this where they're they're cloaking critical race theory and gender equality in math problems. Yeah, it's the embedding of critical race theory and gender agenda into the the problems when we should just be teaching the numbers. Yeah. Let's teach the numbers to the kids so they understand that two and two is four and not what do you want it to be? Actually, it's even worse because if you are indoctrinated into this and you know the answers to these questions you don't need to know the math oh that's right they won't they will not trouble you you only need to go back and listen to the audio last week from uh i think it was patrice colors from yep. uh, lives matter who said she felt intimidated by the tax forms that the tax forms that nonprofits have to fill out they're are triggering racist and triggering <laughs> yeah uh, it's just uh, it's so ridiculous we aren't I'm trying to think who it was that said this um, last week. We are not teaching. It was Ted Cruz. We're not teaching kids the skills of life and how to get through the world. We're teaching them the indoctrination agenda of the left instead of teaching kids the skills they need just to get through every day. It's crazy. So for like a year now, maybe a little more, I've been a huge fan of Citizen Free Press. Okay. I don't know if you go there at all. I don't, but I will. You need to go there every day in the morning, six times a day. It's like better than Drudge used to be because it's hard to say because there was a time when Drudge was legitimate and not what it is now. Yes, it's because I was I was looking at Drudge all the way back in 2000. So I know Drudge very well. And this is better than Drudge used to be in its heyday. Right. No, no advertising on it. The guy that runs its name is Kane. He's amazing. He's amazing. I've uh, we've corresponded with him because he he will pick up our articles quite frequently, which says something in and of itself. Right. So basically, if you want to find something here that is credible and maybe not so, oh, it has to be CNBC or Wall Street Journal or, you know, the Daily Caller or whatever, but is actual good journalism. It is on Citizen Free Press, along with those other things. Right. Well, I will tell you this, the, this person automatically locked me in. I was originally kind of put off when I looked at uh, CFP today because I saw um, Alex Jones is mentioned there and I have no time for Alex Jones. I just, I just want to state that right off the bat. I will leave the room if we start talking about uh, Alex Jones in a positive way. I, I never talk about Alex Jones. Okay. So, <laughs> so I saw that and I thought, Oh God. But then I saw that this person 
stepped into something that I noted today and was talking about today. And I'm very happy it's here. I watch every week it's real and new and live. I watch SNL so you don't have to. Yep. It was actually kind of funny. Well, the opening sucked. And I'm sorry if you like Lizzo. Lizzo's terrible. And she's not a good example of what healthy should be in any state at all, mentally, talent-wise, or physically. But the news, the vaunted weekend update, which used to be fair and balanced in terms of its criticism and attacks, you know, when Dennis Miller was in there. Did you hear it this week? I have the three great, the three opening jokes queued up for you. Oh, perfect. Before you do that, the whole reason why I went, the the article about Alex Jones, by the way, is not, it's not a, you know, it's not like a glowing thing about Alex Jones. It's about how he's trying to restructure his companies to avoid bankruptcy in the, uh, in the Sandy Hook verdict. Yeah. So anyway, don't, don't fall for that. What I, the reason why I mentioned it before we listened to this, because I'm glad we're going to. Is because he calls, he has names for things. Like he'll call <clears throat> Jen Saki Peppermint Kami. Like it's really funny. But one of the ones he uses here, he says it's groomer algebra. I saw that. I saw <laughs> and I thought, okay. Because I call Jen Jen Snarky because I think she is Jen Snarky. Uh, I do like Peppermint Kami. Peppermint uh, Kami. Little Red, riddle, little Red Lion Hood. Little Red Lion Hood is good. Yeah, he has a lot of good ones. Um, but, uh, so, and I saw the groomer, um, groomer, was it algebra? Yeah. That's very good. Very good. But he also has in there that SNL, in fact, uh, told Biden jokes and I was absolutely stunned there. They are never going after Joe Biden. So that must mean they, the left is pivoting completely with the poll, with the polling where they actually said he was doing worse than Trump. Yeah, they are. They have to be. And we're 205 days away, 204 days away from the midterm elections and the day after which begins the 2024 yep. campaign. So uh, it's starting to that will happen very quickly. It'll be here before we know it. There's so, an interesting thing in here once we play these clips, too, about Roger Stone that he just put up. Yeah, I didn't see that. I, I, I've talked to Roger. I will. We'll get into that. Uh, okay. Let's get to this. So. Uh, SNL weekend update, really the only important thing you should watch on Saturday Night Live every week. And thankfully they clip it and post it for us on Twitter and places like that. Um, you can actually get the temperature of what the left is thinking by watching weekend, weekend update. As I mentioned, Dennis Miller used to be brilliant. Colin Quinn, a great foil for any side of the equation. Norm Macdonald, God bless him. Rest his soul was also brilliant, but it's become woke and a tool of the left's talking points. But here are the first three jokes. Let's do them one at a time from Saturday Night Live. A new poll shows that President Biden's approval rating has fallen to an all-time low of 33%. For perspective, that's less than half the approval rating of Sonic the Hedgehog 2. (laughs) Sonic 2 features the characters Tails and Knuckles, which are also the names of two gang members Joe Biden claims he fought in the 1960s. That, that opening joke is actually really strong. Yeah. And I, I was like, wow. And I, I looked at my wife and I said, they went after Biden. And she usually dozes off because she doesn't like to put up with SNL. And she goes, what, huh? I said, never mind. Didn't Stick stop around. there. But no, it didn't. A video has also gone viral of President Biden finishing a speech in North Carolina and apparently turning to shake hands with an invisible person. 
her name is Kamala. <laughs> last time you saw her. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. There was a one-two punch, got Joe and Kamala at the same time. Yep. And then Michael Che, who you heard laughing, actually picked up the ball and continued piling on. President Biden, seen here trying to remember where he left his mask, <laughs> announced new federal regulations for ghost guns. I mean, look, I don't like the idea of people having ghost guns either, but if there's something strange in your neighborhood, <laughs> who are you going to call? So showing the picture of Biden with the mask dangling from his neck, from his ear, going, uh, President Biden trying to remember where he left his mask, they would have never done that. No. No. Something has changed. Yes. So something good, something good happened. Steve Bannon was on uh, Sky News Australia this weekend. Okay. Listen to what he says. Hold on. There you go. Information. And Sherry, here's what's really going to happen. After we had this sweeping victory in November, they're already talking about, and they put the question to McCarthy the other day about the impeachment of Joe Biden. Joe Biden will be impeached after we take the House in, uh, in November. The second item of impeachment will be around everything regarding this hard drive or the laptop from hell, because this information shows the compromise of Biden by the Chinese Communist Party and, quite frankly, in other places, too, like Ukraine. But your viewers would be stunned at the amount of detail, the corruption of the Biden crime family. He will. He's kind of taken over for Clinton at this point. Um, Oh, Bannon or Biden? Biden. Yeah. Oh, he's out. Clinton. Clinton. Well, I mean, at least in terms of the coverage it gets. Yeah. Oh, certainly. And if you look at it all, it is starting to unfold. And there is a timeline developing that is really interesting. Uh, Did we talk about the uh, law school thing last week? No, I don't think so. Because the Hunter Biden law school story intertwines both the Clintons and the Bidens. Please share. I don't remember this. All right. This is this really fascinating. I got my notes right here. Hold on. Um, this is great work done by the New York Post, Joshua Rhett Miller and John Levine or Levine, who knows, but Hunter wanted to go to uh, Yale Law School, right? Okay. So, um, Dean Guido Calabresi. Oh now, my goodness. <laughs> he's going to be bringing the Godfather part four. Uh, Dean Guido Calabresi got a call from the school's most powerful alumnus, President Bill Clinton, who asked him to accept Hunter Biden, a recent Georgetown grad, according to a 2019 report from the Chronicle of Higher Education. So uh, Bill Clinton calls the dean of Yale Law School and says, uh, uh, do me a favor. Could you uh, could you move uh, Hunter Biden's uh, application along there? It'd be a good, good thing for us to do. Calabresi, who had walled off the dean's office from this kind of thing at Yale, told Clinton, uh, I, I've set it up so I don't get stuck in this situation. I will not intercede. And the admissions office had then rejected Hunter Biden. Well, here's uh, an interesting next happens. Calabrese met with Hunter and encouraged him to go to a different law school, but then apply to Yale as a transfer student. Ah. So Hunter goes to Georgetown for a year, but was admitted to Yale in the summer of 1994. Okay, that's kind of interesting, right? Yep. But wait, there's more. 
you're probably saying, how do I order this? No, hang on. There's more. Uh, Bill Clinton then nominated Dean Calabresi to a federal judgeship that same year. Oh, how nice for Guido. Don't don't order yet. There's more. There's was he presiding over some case? No, it's it's even worse. Oh, no. Senator Joseph Robinette Biden, Jr., chairman of the Judiciary Committee, was in charge of shepherding Calabresi's nomination. So gross. So Calabresi, who's still alive, 89 years old, said, I had nothing to do with that acceptance. Oh, and I please. Recall, no. So it, it, there it is. Bill Clinton calls the dean of Yale, who says, I'm sorry, I can't do anything, uh, but I'll meet with the boy. Tells the boy, go to, go to uh, Georgetown Law and apply for a transfer. He's automatically transferred in without problem. Clinton then promotes the judge or the uh, dean to a judgeship. And his confirmation is shepherded through by Joe Biden. Insane. You see, this is the little corruption that you don't pay attention to that just keeps things going. Yeah, it really is. Uh, who was it? John Edwards used to talk about there's two Americas and I want to be president to stop the two Americas. Well, the two Americas are the Democrats and everybody else. And then there's a few Republicans in there doing the same thing. But this is just corruption Corruption, corruption. Well, let's talk about the Biden family for a second. Here is uh, Valerie Biden. Valerie Biden. <laughs> the the RNC clipped this out for us. Here we go. I think he got those jobs on his own in Ukraine and China, and it had nothing to do with who his dad was. I think Hunter, I know that Hunter is a very bright young man. I know that he's a Yale Law School graduate. Uh-huh. He was on several of the, the, the world. Wait, I might get this wrong. The world, the board for world hunger or something close like that. Uh, and that he's been in, and he ran business, was involved in many businesses. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Hunter is a Biden. You can't, he can't run. That's his name. And he is uh, he's a smart and capable and honorable and good young man. He's an honorable young man who has been let's just let's take the business stuff out of it. How do you sit there and call a literal (sighs) felon drug addict? Yeah, I mean, look, people have substance abuse problems, but this goes beyond when you're so void of any moral compass that you will picture yourself memorialize in photos your your absolutely horrific drug use and then think it's okay that's Look, not honorable I, I can forgive the drug use and the the photos because the drugs will alter your uh idea of right and wrong at any given time but when he stepped into a courtroom in arkansas and denied the paternity mm-hmm. of the child he fathered with a stripper and only Only when the judge says, "Okay, let's have a paternity test. Did he fess up? Well, the paternity test obviously came back. (laughs) No, he he admitted that he was the child's father. Oh, so he was really just trying to get away. I'm surprised that there's not more suicides with two gunshot wounds to the back of the head in some of these folks. (laughs) God, I really am, because back in the day, maybe 15 years ago, that's what would have happened. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Honestly, and they can't get away with it so easily anymore because people are too on information. Yeah, this is this story and 
How deep? Now, I have to ask the question, because do you think this is finally going to be the thing that Hunter takes? Let's say, you know, we know the grand jury is still going on here in, in uh, Wilmington, Delaware, where I live, and they're still looking into the uh, avoidance of tax, the, the illegal behaviors with the money out of foreign countries, not registering as a, as a foreign lobbyist, et cetera, uh, that Hunter will take a plea deal and then Joe will uh, pardon him. And then after the midterms, he's out. I think he's going to be out. Yes. Because that's one of the one of the things that's whispered around the uh, the golf course. I do. I think he's going to I think he's going to be out. And I think that, you know, I on Friday. I covered what um, Kim dot com. Do you know that name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I covered what he had tweeted about the laptop and the and the forensics team that was working on it in Switzerland. And he updated that. And I, I have I have a few. There's a couple things here. Number one, he he updates his original thing where he says the criminality that's found on that laptop, including information about the bioweapons programs that Metabiota was involved in and stuff yeah. is in, is ridiculous. And then he says they have given all of the laptop and the previously deleted and recovered files to WikiLeaks. Oh, oh boy. It says WikiLeaks has a powerful network of trusted media partners with a link to them. And it says together they'll make sure that every bit of data, every email, text message and document will be thoroughly analyzed. All of the data minus the pics of kids and context will be provided to the public. This isn't a small task. We're talking about over 100,000 emails, backups of phones and messages, encrypted zip folders that need to be cracked. The forensics team found that Hunter installed spyware on the phones of family members and made backups of those messages, too. Jesus, what a lovely family. You know, they say there's no honor among thieves and this family is proving it. Yeah. And then he says this. I hope WikiLeaks will release the Hunter Biden data with context before the midterms. It would be good for Americans to vote with the knowledge that they were deceived by the Democrats and their media stenographers, punish them for the Russian disinformation lie. And um, they're going to now a couple different thoughts on this. Number one, in my opinion, um, WikiLeaks jumped the shark for me when they compiled a database of all of the people that worked for ICE and their family members and their and their and their pictures and their information to make it easier when Antifa was trying to hunt out the ICE employees who were enforcing it. It's kind of evil. There was no, it was against their charter. It was against what they said they stand for in their organization. And so I, at that point in time was like, okay, well there goes WikiLeaks because they turned into a political um, goon hit squad, not necessarily because they published information on Democrats and Republicans. It wasn't, WikiLeaks is going after Republicans. You know what I mean? Or WikiLeaks yeah. is going after Democrats. They were agnostic. Julian Assange is a whole different story. I mean, what they're putting that man through, I don't think is fair. But at the same time, I've done a lot of research into what he's accused of doing. And, you know, I've only got the government side of the story. So I, I, I don't really talk about it too much because I'm trying to reserve my judgment. Well, you can't you can't judge until you have a full understanding, a full and complete understanding. Well, he has there in his court case from way back in the day with Chelsea Manning or Bradley Manning. Um, there are messages that Julian Assange sent to Manning that show that it looks like Julian was trying to get this data illegally. Like, in other words, as a journalist, 
it doesn't appear that it was just provided to WikiLeaks for them to publish. It -hmm. appears that WikiLeaks was involved in attempting to help to acquire it, which crosses the line into illegal at that point. Yeah, it's not by any means necessary. Right. In in the journalistic code anywhere. Right. Right. So if I were to take material that is from like us, like like the Edward Snowden stuff, for example, Mm -hmm. then I was not involved in any way in getting it or like just the same way the diary came to to. uh, Yeah, right. Then I, as a journalist, am not held liable for those actions that the other person took to provide the information. But when you start saying we have a team that's going to help decrypt this password, then there's a different story. Yeah. So anyway, besides all that, they're going to use this as a like sort of like a um, something for Julian Assange to use on his side of the aisle to get his case either dropped here in the United States. They're going to use it as a bargaining chip, I'm sure, in the same way that they used Vault 7 as a bargaining chip with James Comey. Do you know this story? Uh, No, I don't. Let me tell it really quickly. I'll do it fast. So when WikiLeaks began dropping the Vault 7 information, which was all the CIA stuff about their tools and everything like that, Mm -hmm. WikiLeaks threw an intermediary who also just so happened to be working with um, some members of the Senate Select Committee for Intelligence and Christopher Steele and Oleg Deripaska. That's another story for another day. But this intermediary was trying to get to James Comey and say, okay, James Comey, if you don't, I mean, if you'll come out and at least take this information that we have that proves that the DNC was not a hack, but a leak, then we will hold off on publishing some of the more brutal Vault 7 secrets. So what they were basically trying to do was clear their names and quotes of being part of taking some Russian disinformation or, or making this whole thing a big Russia hack. They had information that proved that the DNC emails were not hacked. They were leaked to them. They -hmm. wanted to give that information to the FBI to prove that Julian Assange was not collaborating with any Russian disinformation agents or involved in any Russian hack. James Comey, they were close to a deal. And then all of a sudden James Comey steps in and says, Nope, not happening. Let them release everything vault seven related. So they sacrificed the CIA to keep the DNC leak a secret. Wow. That tells you it's party over country. Oh, it, it, which is why when Technofog said that about the DNC, my light bulb went off over my head because I, I followed that part of it. Guccifer two and all of that story, like the research I did into that was, oh, my gosh, I met some really interesting characters, really interesting <laughs> during that time, um, because no one was talking about the fact that Guccifer 2 wasn't, we'll go into it, it's too much. But anyway, no one was talking about the actual story of what happened with the DNC, the real story. So I was. And so I met a lot of interesting characters. But between Kim.com's posting about that, last week he had said all of this was going to come out this week, Mike, all this laptop stuff, and that um, Tucker Carlson was over in Zurich filming are we going to get? I, well, he's now he says WikiLeaks has it. So, no. So this is what people are sick and freaking tired of. Yeah, it's the Kraken again. Yeah, yes, exactly. So now the latest tweet he has, which is what I said on Friday, by the way, in my solo show. I mm-hmm. said, I don't put any stock in what he's saying. I don't know. Like, I'm just giving this information out because he is a person who has been 
correct before, especially when it came to the Clinton emails that came out. He he knew it all beforehand and, and said so. Um, but anyway, he says Representative Daryl Issa says the GOP is now in possession of the Hunter Biden's laptop, which the Democrats and their media stenographers initially called Russian disinformation. It's a quote. We're going to need a special prosecutor. The laptop is a treasure trove. Revenge is best served cold. And then it says uh, this time you won't have to rely on politicians or the FBI to do a real investigation. They rarely do anything meaningful. WikiLeaks has the Hunter Biden laptop data together with their trusted media partners. They will publish everything and provide context. No more cover up. But do you want to know who's on the list of trusted media partners? Yeah, this always gets me nervous. Go ahead. I'm not trying to take up the whole end of the show here, That's but I, right. oh, I trust me, we're not getting out of here with a, out a little fun, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Their trusted media partner page, uh, courage, color, ABC, uh, the AP. Um, I don't know. There's a whole bunch of them here in different languages, Asia Sentinel, the Bureau of investigative journalism, Carta capital, um, Der Spiegel, uh, Let's see. Fairfax Media, Freedom of the Press Foundation. That's an Edward Snowden creation. That's a whole big corrupt nonsense there. ProPublica. I mean, these are all like and some of these are the ones that I know are like RT is on here. Um, the, the Guardian, The Intercept, who who had great one that I completely trust. You can have the others that people trust marginally or differently. I just want one that I completely go, okay, that's unimpeachable. Well, the New York Times is on here, the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post. I mean, you know, these are not trusted media partners. No. Glenn Greenwald had to walk away from the freaking Intercept, his own creation, because they were so corrupt. So I have zero hope in WikiLeaks or their trusted freaking media partners. There, there's no trusted media on this list. Are you, are you idiots? Anyway. Trust is just a name on a bank at this point. Okay, what do you want? What do you want to finish up with? Do you want uh, a, a Biden's Easter message or Trump's Easter message? Oh, was it Sean? Uh, yeah. Oh, or yeah. Do, you want, do you want Nancy Pelosi proving that we don't need an age limit on elected officials, but we need a cognitive test? All right. I think we do both. Okay. So here's the the, uh, the brilliant Trump impersonator. Well, happy Easter. OK, happy Easter. We're here at Walmart once again. And you look at it. There is absolutely nothing on the shelves. This has been going on for far too long. Shortages all over the place. Inflation is going through the roof like one of Elon Musk's rocket ships. It's going up so high and so fast. It looks like Rosie O'Donnell. And Brian Stelter have been around and ate all of the Easter candy. I even think Brian Stelter ate the Easter bunny when you think about it. It's a horrible thing, but I hope you're having a wonderful Easter. Even though there's nothing in the stores, it's a sad scene, but it's going to get a lot better. 2022 midterms, 2024 election. We're going to take our country back, believe me. That's pretty darn good. That's Sean Farish. He was on the show with us here. Yeah, he's and great. I found something I want to play. Okay. Hold on a second before we go. Hold on. I wasn't ready for this because, you know, you kind of pulled this one out on me, but it's coming. Hold on. Scrolling backwards. (sighs) Okay. Play your Nancy Pelosi and then I'll put it on. Well, Nancy Pelosi, this is in response to the Democrats trying to push Dianne Feinstein out, saying that she's too old and she's forgetting people. 
And I don't believe we need an age limit in Congress. I'm, I'm fine with people being 110 as long as we can brain test them and see that they have something going on. Well, Pelosi stood up in front of the media after they had a team meeting, basically, to discuss how they were going to fix inflation. And I, it's a little it's not real short, but it's worth the price of admission. We'll stop and start it. Here's Nancy proving that we don't need an age limit. We need a brain test. Now, let me just get back to the question, the larger issue about Putin's tax. That's a, a, that's really Putin's gas hike. So the Democrats came up with an idea to call it the Putin price hike, right? Yep. She can't even get that right. She's calling it the Putin tax or the Putin gas hike. <laughs> this is the first 11 seconds of her trying to tell <laughs> She's going to solve inflation. That's his gas hike. This so much of this uh, increase in the gas tax, uh, gas uh, price started uh, uh, weeks leading up to what happened there. So, could you be less specific, madam? It. it these are the people. Oh gosh. Okay. She's two heartbeats away from the presidency. Seriously. Literally. Literally two heartbeats away from it. But it has a, it takes in the context of a larger increase in prices that have different reasons why we have inflation. Inflation sometimes, most frequently, accompanies lower unemployment. So that statement right there. Inflation sometimes, most frequently, accompanies lower unemployment. I, I take you back because I have a time machine, Tracy Beans, to 2019 and 2020, when before the pandemic hit, our unemployment rate was 3.5% and our inflation rate was 2%. Oh. So she's got that wrong completely, completely wrong. Lower unemployment, more inflation. No. We have to counter it. We have to recognize it and we have to counter it. Supply chain shortages contribute lower, lower supply, higher cost. That's the only thing she said that is true. Lower supply, higher cost. She goes on for another minute. I'm not going to bore you with it, but she is proving that we don't need an age limit. We need a brain test on every single one of these elected officials. I um, will end with these two clips. I have two clips. Mike, ready? Here's one. That nobody has heard yet. Welcome to UncoverDC.com. Okay, you could call it Drain the Swamp. That's what we're going to do. We're going to uncover DC. You come to this website for reliable and factual information when you look at it. Reliable information, unlike Brian Stelter. You know, he's got a show called Reliable Sources. They should call it Unreliable Sources. The most reliable source is UncoverDC.com. Tracy Beans, what a fantastic person. And they give you all the information. No fake news. We're talking about real news. When you watch something on the fake news media, you go to UncoverDC.com, drain the swamp, and get your information the right way and the best way. Believe me. Wow, that's fantastic. I know. And then I have this here. You're listening to the Dark Delight podcast. When you look at it with two fantastic people, we're talking about people I've known for a very long time, Tracy and Frank, two great friends. 
And they are hysterical people. Okay, the podcast is so funny. It's funnier than when Sleepy Joe tried to walk up the stairs of Air Force One. I call that Stair Force One. You know, he fell three times, the triple fall. We call it the triple fall. But Tracy and Frank give you the greatest information on a fantastic podcast. You're not going to find a better duo in the game today. The Dark to Light podcast. Give them a like. Give it a follow. Subscribe to the podcast today. You will not regret it. Believe me. <laughs> a beautiful thing. Uh, but did I be offended? No, because this was February before you were oh. a glimmer. Before I, I showed up. Yes. Yes, we had Sean on on February in February. It was fantastic interview. I mean, he's so much more, Mike, than just a Trump impersonator. Well, he's great at that. I mean, after after the show, I have to have you call him and have him do a voicemail for my answering machine on my phone, (laughs) my my voicemail on my phone. He does a lot of stuff on Long Island. He's a New York activist. He's incredible. Fantastic. That's great to hear. Yeah. That's here. And and well done, Sean. Yeah. John Farish, CaptainDeplorable.com. Well, I guess we're done. Yeah, I guess we're we're out of here. We're, you know, it's time to go. I have one more response to anytime Nancy Pelosi speaks, Joe Biden speaks, or Kamala Harris speaks. And it comes to us courtesy of Billy Madison. <laughs> so anytime Kamala says stuff like this. Well, first of all, I acknowledge one must acknowledge. Any anytime she says crap <laughs> like that, we have to say this. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. (laughs) Check, please. Uh, You've been listening to the Dark Delight Podcast with... Mike Opelka and... Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com until Wednesday. Osmosis, amoebas. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist, so thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. RadioInfluence.com.